Welcome back into the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. This is episode 15, Collector's Edition episode 15. Uh, We're nearly at the halfway point of the season. I am, as always, Andy Behrens, joining you uh, again this week from Chicago, back home, no longer on the road. And I'm joined by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, uh, how's it going? You've got a you've got a fairly significant uh, football game coming up. Yeah, I'm wearing the 49ers shirt. Uh, excited for Saturday. Uh, it's a lot of football on my mind, but uh, also excited to talk some hoops. Uh, you've been you've been watching with football over. You've been watching more NBA these days, Andy. Yeah, I took in the uh, that glorious uh, Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren near skirmish uh, yes. last night. That oh. was awesome. That was great. Um, I can't believe that anybody in the NBA wants to take on Jimmy, but oh. cool. Insane. Yeah. Death wish. What is he thinking? Seriously. Um, I've also watched my my bulls cool off a little bit. They were very briefly the the hottest, brightest, shiniest object in the NBA winners of three in a row. And uh, last night they just got drubbed by uh, not not only was it New Orleans, it was a version of New Orleans that was without Drew Holiday, obviously Zion. Um, So that was bad. So things are not great for the bulls right now. Yeah, no, I hear you. I believe Wednesday's night also featured the first uh, Harden and Trey Young was the first game ever to have two 40 point triple doubles. That's yeah. pretty cool, too. But uh, yeah. So um, what do you have for our starting five? We're going to get into the starting five. I also want to tease the fact that Andre Snellings of, of ESPN, oh, right. um, yes. longtime friend of both of ours, former yeah. co-worker of yours at Rotowire, right? Back in your yeah. Rotowire days, oh, Andre is going to be sure. joining us. Yeah, from the beginning. He's uh, fantastic. Really excited to have him on the show. Uh, I think we have to start our starting five oh, with the uh, Anthony Davis. We have another Anthony Davis fire drill, right? Um, a, a moderate injury for Davis, although it looked like a fatality when he went down, as so many Anthony Davis injuries do. Uh, he, he took a hard fall on Tuesday night. Turns out it's just I don't I don't even know what to call it. It's a bruise. It's a deep bruise. It's a troubling bruise. He was limping around pretty severely that night. Uh, it, it sounds like he may miss a game or two. It's probably not going to be much longer than that. But let's go through the the protocol. The Anthony Davis fire drill when he goes down. Who benefits? Yeah, it didn't look great at first. We came out that motorized cart. He need help, but um, and then he was laying like to... sideways on the yeah. cart too, right? Like you just yeah. thought it was oh gosh, you were waiting for him to give the thumbs up. Um, it, it seemed like, uh oh, Anthony Davis is 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 his career over? Is his season over? No, he bruised his ass. It's basically what happened. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah, encouraging MRI results. He traveled with the team, so I thought for sure he'd at least miss two games on that road trip. But sounds like he'll play in at least one of them. He's shown a willingness to play injured this year far more. Whether it, I'm just be solely because of LeBron getting him that way or whatever, but yeah, that so it's encouraging. And uh, yeah, as you said, you know the the regular scare. Um, I immediately, I was filming my pickups video the next morning, so I was fired up to do uh, Dwight Howard, and then the news came right right before, you know, maybe this injury isn't so serious, but Howard had 10 blocks over his last two games. Uh, he he would lead the NBA in true shooting percentage if he qualified, and plus this is another excuse to talk about him doing the dunk contest next month, which is pretty yeah. fun for someone who entered the league 15 years ago. I think it was a year after LeBron, uh, the dunk contest, so... Yeah, he'd be the the beneficiary, obviously, McGee there, too. But uh, sounds like AD owners can take a big sigh of relief. And no reason to get too excited about Kyle Kuzma, I assume. Yeah, he's like, I looked at this, he's 70% owned anyway, and he's in trade rumors, but um, in Sacramento, which would be interesting. But uh, he's probably already owned in, in more competitive leagues anyway, but he's been a disaster. But yeah, he would benefit, too. If, if Let, if let me ask, what was, your, what was your initial impression of the... Uh, 
so the the first uh, version of the trade rumors that I heard was Kuzma on one side, uh, Bogdanovich on the other, and Bogdanovich is just simply a better player, right? Like like it, the initial yeah. version of the of the trade speculation I heard involved like Bogdanovich and stuff for Kyle Kuzma, yeah. which seemed crazy to me. From what I gathered, I know shocking miscommunication and dysfunction in both those organizations and leaking. But uh, I, I'm guessing both teams just got the valued wrong. Like they think their players, more, you know, more valuable. So that's I'm guessing the trade will not be executed because the yeah. Kings are absolutely right if they think their property is more valuable, which I think the latest reports are saying that, uh, which, you know, might be news to the Lakers that they viewed him that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bogdanovich is just almost inarguably more valuable, right? Like, Kuzma's yeah. just a, a guy who loves to shoot and is sometimes okay at it. Uh, and he's uh, like, he's a scorer only to this point. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But gl- glad to see that Davis is, is looks like he's going to be okay, because that was scary. And clearly, that was the biggest concern of, you know, the NBA this week. Okay, well, let's move on to a... Uh... But uh, I'll just say a real injury, um, a, a more certainly a more significant situation, uh, both for fantasy owners and for the Detroit Pistons. Blake Griffin had a cleanup surgery on his knee. We don't have a timetable on him yet exactly, but it's probably the full season, I would guess. Um, I think we need to assume that Blake is done for the year because he was really only playing maybe one out of every four games anyway. Uh, what's the fallout from this? I, I, I know they I believe the headliner in your most recent pickups video was uh, was Seku. Dr. Doom. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just uh, just mercifully ending a disastrous year for Blake. Uh, I don't expect him to return. But yeah, Seku Dumbuya, monster dunk over Tristan Thompson on Tuesday night. He stared him down afterward. I mean, Christian Wood would be another fun ad and a guy that's speculative in deeper leagues. But I mean, it's it's Dr. Doom, as you said, is the, guy, is the starting power forward right now. And he's been unleashed. Uh, the 15th pick of the draft, he was considered the top international prospect. He just turned 19. So, yeah. I mean, you should grab him everywhere. I mean, why not? See what he is. I mean, for, I think his first four starts, he was a top 75 fantasy player. And he was basically not even playing before that. So, I don't know. Let's see what he can do. And why not? Just Detroit should unleash him. And I'd, I'd grab him in all leagues. Dude, boy, is a, uh, like a, just a really fun story, too. I'd encourage anybody um, who, who's not familiar with him and maybe missed the ad in a competitive league. Just, like, dig up a little information on him. I, I believe he didn't even start playing ball until he was like 12 right um wow foreign born um just a super exciting player and he's been he's been double digits i want to say in the last four games it just looks absolutely great yeah no for sure now grab him everywhere and then andre drummond would get an increase in value he's a trade candidate too and then derrick rose your guy man he's not starting but he's just so productive and just use him in dfs lineups and in points leagues and and he'll, he'll get a boost too with griffin this has just been really fun as a as a d rose apologist it's a little bit difficult to see him playing for the pistons but like he's always closing out games for them he's hit dagger yeah. shots all year hit a game winner the other night um not his first game winner this season it's just good to see him I don't know. It's not vintage Derrick Rose exactly. It's not, you know, like we think back to the player he was 2009, 10, 11. He was about as explosive as anybody in the NBA. Maybe he's not exactly that guy, but a little bit better shooter. And he can still get to, you know, that like elbow or in the lane floater that he, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun to watch him take and hit his shots. No, for sure. Rose Resurrection's awesome. Been awesome to see. But finally, on the on the Detroit is just just keep your eye on Christian Wood because there still would be upside yeah. if if the opportunity does present itself. And he's one step closer now with Blake out out a, of the picture. A little piece of me feels like it's going to be it's going to be like early April, and we're still going to be like, you got to stash Christian Wood. Probably. Let me tell you about his per thirty six numbers. You know, but I know. 
But the I per know. 36 numbers are crazy. They're like 21 points and 12 boards, 13 boards, something like that. Um, yeah. Theoretically, a really fun player. You would think uh, that the present situation would have thrust him into a bigger role. But no, it's it's definitely been Dubois. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, him and Boucher, once those guys get unleashed, they will be monsters. Yeah. You're right, though. It might just be always hoping and extrapolating these per 36 mo- minutes. It's definitely possible. Topic number three, I want to I want to veer to someone who is actually not injured, although he's I, I believe he's actually ill right now and might miss a game. But wh- whatever, let's skip by that. Uh, Hassan Whiteside uh, is the number three. You know, I was just I was going through the the player ranks over the last 30 days, uh, looking at the friends and family league. It's an eight category league. He's the number three overall player in fantasy over the past month. Uh, he's number nine on the season. First round value for Hassan Whiteside. Did a lot of talking uh, preseason after arriving in Portland. Uh, uh, talked uh, about being a category leader this year. And he's doing it. He's leading the league in blocks at, at 2.9 per game. Uh, if it weren't for the ridiculous rebounding skills of Andre Drummond, I believe he would be leading the league in rebounding too, right? He's at like 14 boards a game. He has double doubles in 17 of his last eight team, which is which is just ridiculous to me. He went 2020 the other night. Um, there is the specter of Nurkic returning. I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, I don't know if that's All Star break. I don't know if it's if it's late February, if it's early March. It's probably going to happen. Nurkic, of course, probably not going to play back to back games, anything like that. He'll be he'll be treated uh, with kid gloves. But uh, I don't know. Where are you on Whiteside right now? Because he's he's already delivered a profit. Um, at, at whatever whatever price you paid for him on draft day he's already delivered a huge profit do you see him as a do you see him as a must sell and and what's the sort of player that would really interest you in a deal for Whiteside? Um, first off, I'm in a league in which I have two IL spots and I had to drop Nurkic and I have Whiteside. Uh, so it shows how worried I am about him cutting into. I just don't see the minutes being there when he does return. And it also shows how many injuries I'm dealing with on that particular team. But Whiteside's just been an absolute monster. Just this, I, like, Speaking of monster, I went to Basketball Monster and they project him. Uh, the great Josh Lloyd has him as, the, I believe, number five player from here on out rest of season. So and who am I to argue? Oh. I mean, I... Okay. I think he's the real deal. I, I really do. I, he's, injuries are never a thing with him, but uh, I, know I always make the joke, Hassan upside. I mean, I, I would just sit back and enjoy it. The, I mean, really, I think he's he's a first-round player. And who does this? With the blocks, you know, they're the tough category to get. And, I mean, all those boards. And, you know, we can, you can find shooting, man. Give me the big man who does this. So I'm all in. Yeah, I guess I agree. Um, it's it's one thing to talk about a guy as a, as a potential sell, but how do you replace 14 rebounds and three blocks a night, right? Yeah. Like you can't, you can't go find that guy, <laughs> you, know, you're, you know, in all likelihood, you don't have um, such a surplus at either of those categories that you can just uh, flip a guy who is and doesn't kill you in free throws and doesn't kill you in free throws too. Right. I mean, that's so that's the unique thing about his season. Um, not only is he hitting a great percentage from the, from the floor, but uh, is it a career high in free throw percentage, but he's like a normal free throw shooter this year. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, he's in, and it's been a, a big enough sample now to where you just project him as he's going to be about what he's been this season. So, yeah, I, I'm all in here. So I'm, I'm not selling high. Uh, I, I'm treating him like a, a top 10 fantasy asset. No worry about Nurkic at all. What, what do you assume, um, number one, no, for yeah. uh, the ETA for Nurkic? And then and then what are we going to get when he arrives? Yeah, I am not sure the ETA, but it's going to be sitting on back-to-backs in 20 minutes here. I mean, a big guy coming off a catastrophic injury. I'm not, I'm yeah. not, like I said, I'm in a league where I own Whiteside and Nurkic. And I had a couple roster moves and I had no problem. I mean, Renurka just snapped up right away and someone talked trash to a text to me. So, but really, I'm not that worried. <laughs> I, I think he's not going to cut into Whiteside. No, Whiteside's what I mean, no, I wouldn't worry about that at all this year, at least. 
All right, let's let's head to topic number four. Um, again, anxious to bring in Andre Snellings, um, but we I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit of uh, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, as we were recording last week, we didn't know the nature of the injury or the timeline for the injury. We have since found out uh, bone bruise in his knee, also a sprain. Uh, I know you were heavily invested in Isaac this year, and he was a huge success story early on. Do we assume his fantasy season is pretty close to over? I mean, we're... The timeline they've given us uh, puts us uh, like seven or eight weeks away from him being reevaluated, not necessarily coming back, but being reevaluated. Yeah, we ended the pod or I ended the pod saying, I believe, oh, it looks encouraging. You know, the news. I was really devastatedly worried, but it looks encouraging. And, and it kind of did. Like out. he was he was saying positive things immediately yeah, after the game, yeah. right? Yeah, he said, oh, I'm stretching my knee. I'm walking. I think, you know, it was just a scare. And then about an hour after that podcast, it, you know, devastating uh, for sure. I have him. I actually don't, don't have him in the Friends and Family League. We're in together, but everywhere else I pretty much do. So just brutal. And I think it's going to be a season ender. I'm not, you said it. I've been reevaluated. Then he was to revamp. I don't, I would not expect him to return this year. I, I dropped him in the, that Roto World League where I also have Zion, where there's no IL spots. I might have to drop him. I mean, you have no IL spots. I mean, in a head to head. So um, it depends what format you're in. Obviously, you'd love to stash him if you can, but not optimistic. This guy was a number 20 player in nine cat leagues, according to Basketball Monster, ahead of Jokic, ahead of Trey Young, arguably the steal of the draft based on his ADP. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, just absolutely brutal. And he's unique too. Like he's not a usage rate hog. So it's tough to like say, oh, go rush and pick up someone else too. I mean, this will give me an excuse to talk about Markel Fultz, but there's really no like uh, obvious beneficiary in the front right. court. Um, so he was averaging a combined four steals and blocks per game, uh, which, which is just sick, right? Like that's crazy. How do you, you got any names out there for fantasy owners to replace that sort of production? Um, no, not, not really at all. I mean, I mean, no, that's, that's the problem. He's so unique what he was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those defensive stat wizards. Um, I don't know, Andy, do you? Yeah, we've got, we've got Matisse Thibel coming back from injury and he's obviously a good one. He's another per 36 guy monster who ever got unleashed too. Yeah, that's a great, that's a good call. The stocks. Yeah, he'd be great. But he would, but he would need to fall into the, the right playing time situation. Obviously, um, Isaac was playing like 30 minutes a game. That was no issue. Again, um, two and a half blocks and like one and a half steals per game. Thibel, at least somebody who I can imagine averaging one and one, something like that in limited minutes. I don't know. The Isaac injury is just brutal though. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Horrible. Can I talk about Fultz real quick though? He's 38% owned is all. I mean, he's been better each month. Getting it, like is that really all it is? He's thirty eight percent owned. Yes, yes, wow. I know. I thought it'd be way higher. I wasn't even right. Yes, that's why I ignored him for the pickups till I looked later into it. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Is that low? Two point five steals per game this month. The free throws have been fine. Just six points last night against Washington. Prime matchup. Brutal. Wednesday night, but man, he looks like the real deal. And Philly made a big mistake just giving him away. His I looked it up. His real plus minus is higher than Westbrook's, higher than Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's just getting better every month. I mean, he, he looks he looks really good. Couple couple days removed from uh, from a twenty five point uh, performance as well, right? Yeah, and Aaron Gordon, you know, he's a trade candidate, and and no Isaac. I mean, yeah, Fultz again. I mean, it's, it's coming off that injury, whether it's psychosomatic or not. Uh, new environment. Uh, it's just so encouraging that he's shown obvious marked improvement by the month. All right, final final subject in our starting five that I think we need to hit. Um, Victor Oladipo, we have a we have a firm ETA for him now. It is January twenty nine. He wants to return for a critical home division game against my Chicago Bulls. Um, I have no idea why he would circle that game, but obviously it's meaningful to him to get back uh, before the end of January. What uh, what are your immediate expectations for him, and who do you think it hurts most in Indy? 
Yeah, so it'll be more than a full year. And last time he rushed a bit, so he's certainly going to you know, be on a big minutes limit when he is back. But this guy's a workout maniac. I think the story goes like he texted his trainer 15 minutes after being eliminated from a game seven. Let's get back to work. So there's no doubt in my mind, you know, he's going to be uh, he's going to be fired up to get back out there. Um, Malcolm Brogdon's picking a bad time to, to be injured now and missing games because yeah. he should put up the monster stats without him. But it's my guy Aaron Holiday would, would, would lose the value, I'd say, when, uh, when, when Oladipo comes back in deeper leagues. Holiday's been kind of valuable now. But Brogdon would take a hit. But it's frustrating that he's missing time now when he could be going ballistic without Depot. Right, right. Um, what do you think the impact to Holiday will be when, I, again, assuming Brogdon returns before, uh, before Oladipo does, what do you think the impact to Holiday is going to be just from getting Brogdon back? It might be some at, at Lamb's expense because Holiday's looked mm. so good, and I, I think they're going to give him some run and see what he can do. I, I would not just necessarily drop him in competitive leagues when Brogdon does return, but then when Depot comes back, it's probably going to be overly crowded then. But let me give you a blind blind item real quick, uh, Andy. This former a son of a former NBA player has averaged twenty two points, eleven and a half rebounds, and six and a half assists while shooting seventy percent from the field over the last month. Can you guess who that is? Um, my hints. Give it, give it to me. Son of a former NBA player. Um, I, I know the and the clue here is the team we're talking about. Producer Ragu, can you step in? No, oh, we're talking Sabonis. Yes. So yeah, when you say son of a former NBA player, no one uh, isn't that wild. Twenty-two points, yeah. eleven and a half rebounds, six and a half assists, and seventy percent field goal. Monster. So I guess he would take a hit too because there's nowhere to go but down because he's just been fantastic. I got to say, um, his first couple seasons, I, I did not see him becoming this sort of player. Um, had, it, like, no, me neither. No. Looked like he had trouble finishing around the rim. Like he'd get shots that should have been high percentage shots that he wouldn't convert. Um, kind of a frenetic player. Um, what what a remarkable season. Yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, no, I thought so. That'd be a good one. Um, yeah, so Oladipo coming back, stash him. But uh, I keep your expectations in check, though. I mean, he's he's going to really be on a minute's limit, and they're they're going to be conservative with him. It was also, I, I believe, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the Oladipo injury is just there's not there's not that many um, prior examples that we can point to. It is a pretty severe recovery. It's not. You know, it's a it's one of the tendons that connects the kneecap, uh, and, and it's not it's not like the patellar tendon. It is a it is actually a somewhat more complicated recovery than that. So, you hope you hope for the best for him. Um, really hard working player, uh, really fun player at his best. So yeah, uh, kind of exciting to get him back. But uh, uh, we we certainly hope that he is uh, the version of Victor Oladipo that we're used to seeing. And before we leave Indiana, what's your betting line? TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler. Speaking of circling dates on calendars, Butler already did that on social media. I know. So what's your betting line in a fist fight? I, like, Come on, I who just wins would Butler, not. Right? Butler's a heavy favorite. Yeah, Butler, Butler, Butler is a right prohibitive now. favorite in this one. Yeah, like everything we know about about Jimmy's uh, character and backstory makes yeah. me believe that Jimmy is not like of all the people that I would choose in the NBA to get in kind of a kind of a poser non fight with. I, Jimmy would not be one of them yeah. because I feel like no, Jimmy would finish sure. it. For sure, that's why I brought it up to you. I agreed. There. Oh, hell yeah! All right, man. What's then again? I'm a, I'm also a like a forever Jimmy apologist. As promised, we are joined by Andre Snellings, uh, formerly of RotoWire, was a just a terrific uh, fantasy hoops analyst for them for years. Started in 2004 at RotoWire. He is a multiple winner of FSWA awards for Basketball Writer of the Year. He's about as good as it gets in our business. He has been with uh, ESPN for the past couple seasons. Finally sold out, uh, left <laughs> RotoWire. 
joins join the worldwide leader um you can find him on all sorts of platforms there does just absolutely terrific work uh welcome in welcome andre how you doing man i'm doing good thanks for having me absolutely absolutely you are uh reunited with dalton del don who i believe was your uh subordinate was your intern for a while at rotowire <laughs> he came in as the man i don't know you say reunited i feel like i should sing badly reunited and it feels so good <laughs> it can't feel that you know it w- it was 2007, uh, myself, Dre, Stefania Bell, Chris Liss, and about four others met up in Las Vegas. Oh, it was my yeah. first trip there, uh, and now 13 years later, it's pretty awesome, still talking hoops with, with the professor just on a different platform. But yeah, me and Dre go way, way back for sure. Yeah, and that was a heck of a trip because um, uh, I think that trip was when Stefania was thinking about coming to ESPN. And I remember, you know, we were talking about it at the time. And so uh, she, she got here about a decade uh, before I did. But, uh, yep, you know, the, the crew is still here, squatted up. That's right. And you guys, like, ESPN never sends compensation to Rotowire when they when they poach their people, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're all over, man. Like, shouldn't you know, shouldn't God, someone get relegated from ESPN to Rotowire when that happens? I was going to say, uh, that, that's above my, my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let them uh, settle that out. <laughs> Well, I'm sure I'm sure everybody's familiar with Andre's work. Um, he, again, he's as good as it gets in this business, and I'm I'm thrilled to have him on the pod. Uh, I'd like to start right away with uh, a little trade speculation. We are about a month out from the NBA's trade deadline. I believe it's February six, um, so a little bit less than a month, and a bunch of names have percolated lately. I just want to give you. I'm going to throw out some big names. Um, we're not going to talk about minor deals here. We're not going to talk about role players. We're going to talk about stars who oh, yeah. seem at some level likely to get dealt. Um, and you just give me, I don't know, sort of a one to five, five being most likely, one being least likely. Um, give me like your rating on how likely it is that they get moved and then your ideal landing spot or spots for each of them. And we'll start with Andre Drummond. Dalton and I were talking about the Pistons a little bit earlier. Drummond obviously having another silly season in terms of rebounding, leading the NBA and rebounding. At a crazy total, he's been he's been basically like sixteen, sixteen all year. Um, what do you think about his situation? How likely is it that he gets moved? And where would you like to see him go? Yeah, that's my namesake, Andre. Um, and you know, <laughs> I was living in the the Detroit area before I came out here, so he's my son's favorite player because my son I was also named Andre. But um, yeah, on your four or five scale, it seems to me like he's got to be at the top of the likelihood scale. Yeah. I mean. If, if if we can say five without it being a guarantee because nothing's guaranteed, I just don't see a future for him with Detroit. Um, he's a, a big contract guy, but he's got a player option at the end of the year. So they're going to have to pay whoever has him is going to have to pay him a lot for a long time after this year. The Pistons don't have any kind of flexibility. They don't have any upside. Blake Griffin's done at least for months. I mean, I don't know if it's speculation to say he could be done for the year. They said indefinitely. I don't see why Detroit would keep him. It feels like if they do, they would right. be just flirting with losing him for nothing. So um, so it seems to me like he should be traded. The name you hear most often associated with him is the Hawks. And to me, that makes sense because it's interesting. Drummond, as you pointed out, for all of his silly rebounding, he's an old school big man in an NBA that seems yeah. to be changing, right? And um, ESPN just put an article out last week Um my girl Jackie Mack and uh, Kirk Goldberry talking about the death of of post play, especially on offense in the NBA. And so you've got Drummond. He's a big guy that doesn't shoot. 
I don't see a contender that would trade for him and say, hey, this guy's going to put us over the top. So instead, it feels like it has to be a young team that's trying to say, you know what, we can build around this. And, you know, the Hawks have Trey Young is their their star of the future. They've got Collins, who's a big man that can move out to the perimeter. Um, I guess Jabari Parker is the same way off the bench if he's part of their future. And then they just drafted a bunch of wings. You know, they have a bunch of really young yeah. wings. So it seems like the only thing they're really looking for is that center of the future. So that just seems like a match to me. Dre, what about what about this in, in general? I just want to know if you think a, a, an NBA team, I mean, maybe Shaq in, its, in his prime, but in, in general, can an NBA team right now win a championship with its best player, its most expensive player, a center, a big man who doesn't shoot like Drummond? Yeah, you know, that, that's a great question. And I feel... I like your now. If 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 you get Shaq in his prime, then yeah. The the thing is, it's all about the analytics, right? Uh, and we're talking offense here, not defense. Um, I think a uh, defense is something that a big man can still do better than anybody else, and that's why Rudy Gobert wins uh, Defensive Player of the Year every year. But on offense, yeah, post play used to be considered the high percentage uh, way to score on offense. They would say, give it to your big man, let him work. He can shoot 50% from the field. That's outstanding. Well, these days we've gone past field goal percentage, right? We, we, we're incorporating in free throws attempted and made. We're incorporating in three-pointers. And now the average offensive possession in the NBA is, is worth more points for pretty much anything except for post-play. So to your question, it just seems like with that being the case, unless you have an outlier like Shaq, it, it seems impossible that your best offensive player, because we also know that just in general, in clutch time, it's best for your off- best offensive perimeter player to be, I mean, your best offensive player to be a perimeter player because they're controlling the ball. They've got the ball in their hands. They can set up the offense. So yeah, minus an outlier like Shaq, it, it really doesn't seem like it, it, it's that day anymore. And um, speaking again of that article, I mentioned Jackie Mack and, and Goldberry, they interviewed Shaq, right? And Shaq was saying essentially, yeah, I'm in the NBA right now. I've evolved into Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that might be <laughs> what it is. Like <laughs> instead of post play, your big man has to be able to uh, dribble it in and get to the rim. And uh, that's the way to do it. I feel like that was always Shaq's dream to have the ball in his hand and to like play the, the Giannis role. But I Definitely. can't imagine a current NBA team wouldn't use Shaq in much the same way that Shaq was used because he was he was utterly unstoppable. Yeah, he's he, he's at the far end of the gene pool. You know, that's that's not a body type that you come across very often. So Drummond is also not like you mentioned Rudy Gobert, and like that's the that that's kind of the scenario where I could imagine a team's best player on a on like a title contending team still being a big as if it's someone like Gobert, who is not not just like a pretty good rim protector, but like closes down the rim when he's when he's in oh, the yeah. game. Um, and Drum, Drummond isn't quite that guy, right? Like he's a couple blocks a game, but he's not Gobert. He's not Gobert. Uh, defense has always been his weakness. You know, you mentioned a couple blocks a game. That's Last time I looked, he was on career high pace for block shots because he just doesn't yeah. block very many shots. And and post defense goes beyond shot blocking, right? You, like you said, you have to be able to anchor the paint, which means moving your feet, which means getting from what, not even just one side of the rim to the other. These days, you got to be able to get out at least towards the three-point line and really yeah. shut down the action. So Gobert, even he is kind of a, a unique case because he's – seven four or whatever he is and his arms stretch from wall to wall he's able to have a bigger impact than 
non-mobile bigs would typically have these days, right? Before Gobert, I would say Draymond Green was probably the best player, uh, defensive player in the NBA. And he's only 6'7", but he had the, the long arms that kind of allowed him to play like a big man near the rim, but he had the mobility to get around. That seems like more the the template for the type of big man defensive anchor they need to have length and mobility um to be able to 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 really maximize in today's nba does Embiid fit Embiid fit that he he does i mean so Embiid is a kind of like a hybrid of those two right he's got um the size of drummond or bigger and it's hilarious by the way how they interact whenever they face each other but um you know, like he's got that size, but he's also nimble. He's He's got quickness. He can operate on both offense and defense out to the perimeter without feeling particularly out of place. And so he I think he has the potential to be the best defensive player in the NBA. I don't know. I would say last year he took a step back. Two years ago, it looked like that's the, the path he was on. Last year, defensively, he kind of took a step back. And this year, I think they're worried so much about the offense. I don't know if defense is his focus. So um, we'll see. Right now, when I mean, you mentioned Giannis, he, he's thrown his hat into the ring as far as potential best de- defensive players in the NBA. Um, yeah. Goldberry put out another thing a couple of days ago about the, the, the best rim protectors in the league. And the Bucks have the top three in, in him and the Lopez brothers. But Giannis is like way in first. Like, I think, uh, uh, Players are averaging 39% at the rim when he's defending them. And wow. Wow. number two is like 46%. And everybody yeah. else is in the upper 40s. So, um, so yeah, he's doing his thing right now. Wow, 39%. So that's like that's like Dalton at the rim, basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically turning NBA players into Dalton. Uncontested. Yeah, uncontested. <laughs> well, let, me, let me throw out another name of another big in a very different situation. Um, Kevin Love has uh, a lot of years, a lot of money left on his deal. Clearly, based on his on-court demeanor, we've all seen the clips of the last few days. Uh, Kevin Love seems frustrated. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it there. Um, you think? What, yeah. It's hard they, to tell. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I don't know that I've seen many cases where a player was so openly just pure pissed at uh, at younger teammates. Um, like, kind of a fun watch. I would love nothing more than to watch uh, Kevin Love have to have to uh, slog through the rest of this season with Colin Sexton and company. But it seems like he wants to get moved. There's some motivation for the team to move him. um, But that's a lot of money. And he's he's not exactly a perfect player. And I don't know how many teams view him as like that one piece that that puts them over the top. Like you think about the teams that are that are super competitive for a title right now. Right. I don't know that Kevin Love is the missing piece for any of them. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And when I look around the 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 team that earlier in the season, the last time I, I wrote about something like this was, um, I don't know, about a month ago for the NBA side, not for the fantasy side on dot com. And I was looking at players like Iguodala and, and Love and, and contenders that might be able to trade for him. And to me, at that time, the best fit for Love seemed to be a team like Portland, like the Trailblazers, because they have the mindset that they're going to be a contender. They've been the number three seed in the West two years in a row, and they just started off the year horribly. And so, and, and then also they have the the highest salary in the NBA, so they don't really have a lot of flexibility um, to get better in other ways. And both of their best players are locked up 
for huge long-term deals. And they're all right around 30. So I put that all together. I feel like Portland is the ultimate trade for talent now team. I'm not positive how that's changed since Carmelo went out there. Um, Melo in this iteration of his career could be best suited as a stretch four, which was kind of the the role that I saw for, for love. But, um, even though they're playing a a little better with Melo, they're still not where they needed to be. And they seem like they're kind of two sides of this, of, of the same coin, speaking of the trailblazers and love in that love clearly wants to be back on a contender and hates where he is. And the trailblazers clearly want to be a contender and seem to just kind of be lacking something that, that separates them from the top. Um, and, and the Blazers also have some expiring deals of a size that seem like a love deal might be possible if they decide that's the way they want to go. There's, there's just no way they could defend with both Kevin Love and Carmelo on the floor simultaneously, though, right? Like, that just can't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have to be creative usage right so here's the thing Melo is he's a man of a certain age much like myself and <laughs> and, and and love you know he said he was acting like a 13 year old but he's actually 31 so I mean he's in his 30s too so I could see a rotation where both of them are playing 28 to 30 minutes a game so there's not a lot of time when they're on the court together but that yeah. they play a similar role especially once Nurkic comes back so then you might have Nurkic and Whiteside have doing that kind of rotation in the middle and then maybe Melo and, and Love doing that kind of rotation so that 48 minutes a game they have a, both a defensive anchor and a, a, a good strong offensive stretch four um, out there to, to kind of complement their guard play. Another another player that I want to toss out there, and this is a name that uh, we, like we've been talking about the idea of a Chris Paul deal from from the moment he arrived in Oklahoma City. Um, at one point, it seemed like it was the most obvious thing in the world that, of course, they were going to try to. You know, it doesn't fit their timeline. They're going to try to flip him. Um, we keep talking about various Thunder players the same way too, right? Like eventually, Stephen Adams gets traded. Um, they're they're like the seventh seed in the West. Like they're yeah, they're good. Um, so I feel like I, I just sort of threw Chris Paul into this, and maybe maybe it's completely ridiculous to think at this point, like they're not only the seven seed, but they're looking at like a first round matchup with Denver, and you're like, hmm, um, that might be a winnable situation for them. So like, what do you, what do you feel about Chris Paul right now? He's obviously playing extremely well. Um, it, it's it's just a ton of money in a couple of years, but right now, this is a damn good player. Um, what's the likelihood that he might actually still get moved? Yeah, that you know, that's a, a great question. And so, for I feel like I should pause for a second and uh, plug uh, my, my Hoops Lab um, video and yeah. article that are going to run on uh, ESPN.com's fantasy page on Friday because this this was the exact subject matter. So I'll be talking more about those things uh, there. So anybody listening to this should come check it out. But um, Chris Paul. Yeah, when the trade happened, it seemed like, why would he ever play for Oklahoma City? But the other thing is that at the time, I think I even went on record saying it, I didn't, the way Oklahoma City's playing now is not a surprise to me because, yes, they lost Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but they replaced them with, you know, Chris Paul and Gallinari, who were both really good players that are able to do a lot of similar things. And and then they also got, you know, uh, Shea out the mix. And so, 
I looked at that team and I, I at the time in the offseason, I said, you know, if they keep this team together, this could be a 45 to 50 win team that could challenge for that last playoff spot. I just didn't see then why Oklahoma City would want to do that, right? Because they're not <laughs> going to win a title with this team. And, and um, you know, another Rotowire, uh, I guess he's current, he's not an alum, uh, list. He's always talking about how that seventh, eighth, ninth seed in the conference is purgatory. And if you get stuck there, why would you ever want to be there, right? So I didn't see why they would want their team to be what they are. Uh, you, you make a good point that it, they could get the right matchup and make the second round of the playoffs. And, you know, um, that could be a good thing. And also, they're in the unusual situation because of their trades. I think they traded for something stupid like seven first-round picks in the yeah. next few years. And so they don't necessarily have to be bad in order to have upside that the future could be better. So with that being the case, maybe they do decide to keep Paul, keep Gallinari, and, and just kind of roll with it. I still feel like Paul wants to, especially at this stage of his career, he wants to be on a contender. That's the one part that he never got. Um, I think maybe he appreciates that he's had a chance to show people that he could still play, that after Houston, where he was playing such a subordinate role to Harden and maybe didn't love it, that now he's on a team and he's able to show, hey, I'm still Chris Paul, respect me. But I feel like at the end of the day, he would be happier on a contender. And again, the the Thunder, I think whatever happens this year is kind of bonus, but they're really looking to the future too. So if they could make a move that makes them better for the future for Paul, I don't see why they wouldn't. As far as where he might go, um, you know, I, I look to a team maybe like Miami or a team like Philadelphia, you know, yeah, that's, that's the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about Philadelphia. I haven't trade machined it. I don't know how he gets there. I know he mm -hmm. makes a lot of money. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. I mean, I look at it. So the, the question is for, for Philadelphia, have they given up on Simmons and Embiid as their core for the future? If, if, if they have, and they say, we're going to put Simmons on the block and try to bring in a real, not a real, a point guard that can shoot essentially to, to play yeah. off of the rest of their team, then I could potentially, you know, it, it would have to make sense on both sides, but, um, I, you know, you look at Philly, not only do they have Simmons, who's only making eight mil this year, his, his big extension at 29 mil starts next year, but they've got Al Horford, who they signed in the offseason and seem to have some buyer's remorse for him, um, at least just from the buzz on social media. You know, this isn't from like a source, but, you know, Horford is a $28 million player. He's got three years left to go on his deal. If you put Horford and Simmons together, their salaries look really close to Chris Paul's, but then you got to figure out what else does the Thunder have to give to be worth Ben Simmons. And, you know, yeah. you, you would have to figure out the details of it. But I could see that as a, a deal that both sides could argue themselves into, again, only if Philadelphia has given up on Simmons and Embiid working together. Yeah, it's a it's a separate topic somewhat, but uh, uh, Horford, at least from a fantasy perspective, you know, I've rostered him in at least one league, and it's I mean he's like he's like seven and four a night. Uh, it's yeah. been it's been mostly brutal. He's obviously being underutilized. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is what he signed up for. Maybe he knew this was coming. Um, but the the fantasy lines have certainly been rough. And and you're right, he is a way to match salary. But then you you try to continue matching salary, and you 
toss Gallinari in there and he makes a billion dollars. So it's hard, exactly. right? Like every deal with Chris Paul is hard. You, you mentioned the possibility of a, of a Ben Simmons trade. And I want to also throw D'Angelo Russell into this discussion only because I saw some trade speculation this morning about a could there be a deal with Ben Simmons on one side and D'Angelo Russell on the other? Russell's another one of those guys who, when he signed, uh, there was a widespread assumption that he might actually get flipped really soon. How is it going to work with Steph? Um, he's played pretty well when he's played, right? Like he's an all-star. Mm-hmm. What do you think the likelihood is of a deal involving him? I don't know how likely it is, especially you mentioned to Philadelphia, um, but it's 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 got some logic behind it, right? You know, we, we kind of abandoned our one to five scale. It's like if I felt like Andre Drummond was a five, I would say Russell's maybe a two and a half, three. Like I could yeah. I could see the logic of him being traded. Uh, I could see the logic of him being traded to Philadelphia, honestly, because. He's still a young player, but he can shoot, right? And and so, again, if, if Simmons isn't their guy, I could see Russell being somebody that they could talk themselves into building around long term. And I've, I've heard Simmons described. <laughs> I, I kind of can see it, too, but I've, I've heard him described as kind of the next evolution of Draymond Green, right? The, you know, that type of player. And so you put him out there uh, with all of the shooters on the healthy Warriors – and, you know, that this could recharge their their system as well. Maybe he fits in in a way that, that D'Angelo doesn't. So I could see that as a a, a possible trade uh, option. Um, Dalton, could, Dalton could probably speak to this better because he's a huge Warriors apologist and fan. But um, but that that'd be a super weird team, right? Like Simmons with Draymond together probably couldn't happen. Simmons as a primary ball handler on a team that had Steph probably wouldn't happen, right? See, that does seem like a really weird fit to me for sure. Yeah. yeah. What do you think ends up happening with Russell Dre? And I mean, I, and, and they're going to have this this draft pick to work with as well. You follow the prospects more than me. What, what do you think ends up happening there? Yeah, I mean, so and, and I don't know, like there, there was a long time period where I was a big Timberwolves fan. Um, I, I don't tend to be a fan of any particular team these days, but I still you're a, I'm sorry, you're a Timberwolves. reformed Timberwolves fan. Is that, is that what we're calling? <laughs> He's a KG fan. <laughs> I was a, a KG, KG fan, yeah. you know. Um, and and as far as the the Timberwolves go, I still pay attention to them, so I know that they're really looking for their guard of the future. And there were rumors this off season, right, that that um, Russell and and Towns have this great relationship and want to play together. And so before he was traded to the Warriors. There were some rumors that, that maybe Minnesota might try, try to throw their hat into it. Um, and they're a team that has some expiring deals and and some young talent. So maybe, you know, maybe they throw their hat into the ring again. It's, it's not been working out for them as currently constituted. So that that's a, a place that I could see him going that maybe meshes even better than Philadelphia. I thought I thought Dalton, you, you had decided that Carl uh, Anthony Towns was actually going to uh, Golden State, not the other way around. Yeah, well, that's who they want. Yeah, their their thoughts are, are Russell and a, you know a top five pick and bring back Cat. That's their thought. But um, yeah, you're, you're right though. But Russell and Cat have been linked together too, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Are there any prospects jump out at you, Dre? Like if I am I rooting? You know, the, obviously my Warriors are lottery bound. Am I rooting for a certain you know pick, pick there? Do you like more than more than anyone? This is a strange draft class. You know, know it's just. You know. Like I, I think the the top of the top five picks, um, according to ESPN's draft prognosticators, four of them aren't currently playing in in college. Mm-hmm. Um, they're either overseas or like Wiseman left the league. So I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, left left college to to just train. 
So it, it makes it really hard to project what would be good in this class. Um, I guess, especially, okay, if we're thinking the Warriors, right? A guy like LaMelo Ball, I don't see how he fits. Um, they've already got guards. Um, Wiseman, he's an offensive-minded big man. We we talked about how we don't know if that's necessarily the player archetype of the future. He's got a, a, a three-point game, but it's kind of spotty. Um, it's not consistent. Maybe if he really worked on his three, he could be the the big man that plays next to, to Draymond on the front line. Um, I, I think for the Warriors really just having that pick is valuable. I don't know. They're going to need to package that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I I don't see whoever they would be able to pick as being the guy. Like they're not building for the future, right? They, they've got some late twenties, early 30 guys that are coming back next year and they expect to be the foundation of the warriors again. So um, I, I don't think it's so much that you're looking for a young guy to play there. You're looking for a young guy that can generate enough excitement that you can get some, you know, get, get something good back for him. For sure. Trey, give us your best uh, fantasy roster stashes for the second half. Dalton and I talked about Christian Wood earlier as potentially somebody. Well, we, we were also saying that maybe Christian Wood just ends up the guy that we tell you to stash all season. And then pretty soon it's the middle of <laughs> April and you're like, we're like, sorry. Uh, yeah. But who else? Give, give me somebody more useful than Christian Wood. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's levels to this, right? You know, um, a guy like Christian Wood, he's maybe a stash that that is like a free agent level stash. And, and you could say the same for his teammate. Uh, you know, I'm butcher his name, you know, Sekou Dombayu, Dombaya. Yeah. Domboya. Yeah. tough. Like, like uh, um, once he, you know what, once he starts playing really well, everyone will learn to pronounce his name, just like Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I but think yeah. It's, I think it's Dumboya. 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 I'm, I'm okay. kind of obsessed with the idea of calling him Dr. Doom for the rest of his career. So uh, uh, yes. I hope it's Dumboya. Yes, that might stick. You know, if he's good, he'll need a nickname. Um, but yeah, you, you've got that level of stash where it's like, okay, he's not really playing at all. But if Drummond gets traded and Griffin has been shut down for a while anyway, um, he has a lot of upside. You could also look to some kind of players that have been injured, like bigger name players that have been injured, but that might be coming back in the second half of the season. Um, you know, <laughs> Dalton, you're the, the the Warriors guy. I don't especially expect Steph Curry to, to play a, a minute this year, but um, you know, I could envision a scenario where it's March and Steph and Clay are both like, you know what, we're healthy enough to play. You know, let, let let's get some run. If if he's been cutting the league, I'd pick him up and stash him. Um, coming into the season, on another note, I I, I really liked Laurie Markinen. I thought that he was going to be really good this year, and he's been really not for most of the year. Um, <laughs> You know, the the last, I would say, maybe five or ten games, he's kind of at least started scoring 20 points a game. Um, the rebound's still not there. I, I don't know, but I look at a guy like him as a, well, maybe if I could, you know, buy low on him and stash him, maybe he, he shows up down the stretch. Um, a similar caliber to... player that's been injured is Marvin Bagley, the same kind of thing. Yeah, I'm a, a Bulls fan, ticket holder, and Markinen has been I, like I don't want to say he's been he's been like a profound disappointment or anything like that, but you really hoped for some level of growth from last year to this year. Hope that he would become not not that he's going to be like a, you know a transcendent passer or anything as a big man, but w- wow, does he not set up other players right? Like he's just been right. purely a shooter, scorer. M- maybe things get. Um, 
maybe there's more opportunities for him now that like Carter is dinged again. So maybe there's more opportunities out there for Markkinen, but pretty significant uh, disappointment, at least, you know, from a Bulls fan perspective so far. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree is, you know, as a sophomore, he looked like he was flirting with 20 and 10 the whole year. He was a sophomore, right? So you, you're thinking year three, he he could go 23 and 11. And as you said, maybe start adding a little more to his game, start learning how to pass a little better. Um, he definitely, you would expect him to be able to knock down a lot of threes. He had the potential to really be kind of an across the board contributor in, in, in Roto. And um, like I said, he's just, he, he hasn't been what I thought he was going to be. It's funny you get you get old fast in the NBA, right? Like he's, he can't. Yeah. I don't know. He can't, he can't be any older than like I don't know. What, what is he? Twenty two, twenty three, something like that. Exactly. But man, all of a sudden you're now three years in, and the whole, the whole league is twenty years old. Yeah, absolutely. Dre, give me some of your um, give me some of your biggest surprises, both good and bad, so far in the season. I would have to say the biggest surprise for me this season has been Devontae Graham. Um, I didn't see this coming. I've, I've seen him play in Vegas the last couple of years. And I, you know, I, I saw him as a guy that, okay, he can show signs of decency in Vegas. Maybe he'll be a eighth to 10th man. Um, but all the jokes in the off season were about how bad Charlotte was going to be because they got rid of all of their talent. And we knew that somebody had to get the minutes. I mean, if you're, if you're on an NBA team, Around 100 points are going to be scored. So it's got to be somebody that scores the points. I just didn't necessarily see this coming from Devontae Graham. He's what I thought Terry Rozier was going to be. And Rozier has been solid, mm-hmm. but, you know, Graham kind of came from nowhere. And then on the the bad side, I feel like a lot of my disappointments have been through injury. You know, we mentioned Steph. Yeah. Um. You know, briefly mentioned Bagley. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if anybody knows what's going on with Kyrie Irving. Um, when when he left the lineup, they made it seem like, oh, yeah, it's a, a, a minor day-to-day thing. He's been day-to-day for like a month or two now. And I think he did an interview recently where he said something like, yeah, I'm going to uh, reevaluate in two months whether I'm going to have surgery. So then the question is, like, okay, well, does that mean you're out for two months and then you're going to reevaluate? Or like, I don't know if he's going to play again this year. I don't have any information, but it's just it's such a strange thing. And he was on such a fantasy tear, right? You know, yeah. the first couple of weeks that the Nets weren't necessarily doing that great, but he was putting up the best numbers of his career. So for him to not if be I, there. If I have this right, um, if I have this right, Irving took a cortisone shot and was waiting for that to become effective. And he's not willing to take anti-inflammatories, which, you know, is, is certainly is right. Um, but that that whole discussion did not have the vibe of a player who expected to actually finish the season. Right. Right. And so, so him being kind of a negative surprise, you know, has contributed to a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie being an excellent positive surprise. And all along with Dinwiddie, I felt like, wow, he's doing his thing now. But once Kyrie comes back, what happens now? I'm like, maybe you, (laughs) maybe, maybe he becomes a hold or a buy because, I don't know for sure that I really believe the Kyrie's coming back. And fascinating next year, the Durant next year. I mean, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens oh, there, yeah. how that plays out. Yeah. The, totally. That that whole team, like, what's the, the show on NFL Hard Knocks? Like, there, there needs yeah. to be a camera that just follows the <laughs> Nets sure. next year from preseason yeah. till, till they're out because they just have reality show written all over 
for sure. Thousand percent. Now that that is going to be. Before we let you go, Dre, I want to say uh, if you have not seen Uncut Gems as a KG lover, um, <laughs> the, the movie has its problems and some terrible gambling scenarios that distracted me. But KG steals the movie. So if you haven't seen it, go check that out for sure. I know you love him. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I, it's been on my list. You know, these days I got three kids, so we don't get to the movie theater too often. I know. I, I was going to say. I know. I, as a fellow, someone has kids, it's tough to get out. I know for sure. But I, I just, I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out KG in that. Yeah. No, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, he he does his thing, and and I, I'm looking yes. forward to seeing what he does in the next phase. You know, Hall of Fame class, him, Kobe, and Duncan is going to be absurd next year. I I just have to say he his final year of high school he spent in Chicago, um, and, and the team that he played on at Farragut was sick i go i go to a handful of of chicago public league games each year and man that that farragut team was they didn't win a state title which is unbelievable um but you didn't even go to see uh kevin uh garnett uh, when you went to see that team you went to see ronnie fields who had like a legit 48 50 inch vertical i don't know ronnie fields would do like six contest quality dunks every game in, in like a freaking high school setting. They were, they were unbelievable. Um, they had a kid who played at Arizona too. Like they were just, they were just an unreal, uh, public league team. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you've got real work to do, uh, again for ESPN. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, great time catching up, uh, everybody again, make sure that you're checking out Andre's work at ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at professor, Dr. Z. Um, just thanks for joining us. Uh, hope we can do it again before the end of the year. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks, Joe. I I just I have to say it. Um, it's because everybody says it's Professor Doctor Z. It's actually Professor Driz because I had my nickname used to be Drizza, or they call me Driz. So it's, ah, it's Professor DRZ. But literally it. everyone says Pro- Professor Doctor Z. I was like, you know, but I mean, if I tell people to part. follow you at Professor Driz, they're definitely <laughs> not spelling it this way. Right. 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 Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Got to put the Professor DRZ in there. <laughs> Well, that was awesome catching up with Dre. Um, really good guy. Always enjoyed him. Always enjoy reading his stuff. Uh, we're gonna dive right into. In case you missed it, right now, I wanna, I wanna promote a little promote a little Yahoo work here. Chris Haynes uh, had a great interview with Steve Kerr. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, to catch it on the Post It Up podcast. Um, Dre, of course, had mentioned the idea that Steph might not be back at all this season. Uh, Kerr had suggested that we might see Steph in March. I don't know how you. I don't know how you feel about that. Is that really gonna happen? Yeah, definitely more likely to see him than Clay. But uh, yeah, Kerr yeah. in the news too. $25,000 fine going nuts at a ref tirade the other day too. But um, yeah, it's still up in the air. I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. Your, your guess is as good as mine as far as seeing Curry this year. But if, if Kerr says it and the injury is coming back from, I, I don't see why not, why we don't see him. Yeah, it's pretty hard to imagine though um, for a team that has no incentive. Like, what are they going to do? Accidentally win games at the end of the year because they bring Steph back for what purpose? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'd be really they're surprised. Already locked- yeah, and they're locked in with the season tickets. They don't need to sell any tickets either. So, yeah, maybe you're right when you put it that way. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it is a long shot. But, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check out this uh, this podcast, though. I haven't, I haven't yet. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Darnell Mayberry's uh, In the Athletic. He had a, a great interview with Craig Hodges. People should check that out. Doing a whole series on uh, three-point shooters, like, from yesteryear. And, man, like... It's just one of those things. We talked about it with Ben Gordon, I don't know, a couple months ago. Like Craig Hodges in today's NBA would be such a thing. He was a he was a 40% career three-point shooter who probably never took, you know, I'm sure he never averaged more than 
more than four, maybe three and a half in a, a per game in a season, right? Like they didn't have him shoot it that often. Right. Uh, it really was a was sort of a an end of quarter, end of half specialist sometimes. Uh, but man, uh, it, it, his best season, he was actually a forty nine percent shooter from three, which is ridiculous. And if people haven't seen the video of him like hitting nineteen threes in a row in the three point contest, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, no, I, I am old enough to remember him, actually, probably <laughs> to your surprise. And as I've said here that, you know, I was rooting for Jordan as a kid, you know, like everyone. So I, I remember Craig Hodges for sure. A um, couple of things I will add is after we talked about David Stern last week, Henry Abbott on True Hoop had an awesome uh, yeah. obit that people should check out that uh, a crazy story where him just Stern ignored these customs in China and blew up like in a potential NBA China that was worth billions of dollars. But so Hank Abbott's uh, Henry Abbott's True Hoop obit on Stern. And I'd also want to end it with saying, uh, did you know that Lou Williams, the reigning sixth man of the year, has named his son six? S-Y-X. So I thought that was pretty fun, too. So I like that as well, too. So we'll end on that. Cool. Williams is six man of the year, named his son six recently. That's going to be a complicated, like, every year when they're when they're learning names in grade school, he's going to have to go through why he's named six. Yeah, that's hard. For sure. Yeah, that's no, rough. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. But uh, anyway, good times, Andy. Yeah, that's going to do it um, for this week. Next week, uh, we are going to be, we're going to be rolling on Friday because uh, I am traveling. I'm in Las Vegas for the FSGA conference. I'm um, going to be going to be traveling back and forth on Thursday. So we're going to have a special Friday edition of the pod next week. Remember, subscribe. Write us nice reviews, please. Uh, no need for scathing reviews. Write us a, a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, you can always bounce questions off us on Twitter. He is at Dalton Del Don. I am merely at Andy Barons. Uh, you should also follow the at Yahoo Fantasy account if you are not already. And that is it. Um, big thanks again to uh, Andre Snellings for joining us. We are out.